listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Today, uh, we're talking about seven crucial beliefs that will upgrade your life, upgrade your future. And it's very important uh, to believe properly. You know, if you don't believe properly, then it produces improper results, obviously, because what we believe ends up being what we speak, what we do. And then of course, it's the fruit of our life and it all stems from what we believe. And so um, as a child of God, I want to give you, as a child of God, seven things that must be foundational beliefs in your life that will produce what uh, God is expecting in your life. And these will help you a lot. And so, uh, as you're taking notes, I'm going to give you the, I'm going to give you the crucial belief system, and then I'm going to give you the scripture that we use to back it up, and then be introspective. I mean, literally, as we're doing this, as we're going through, um, there's people that I've talked to, spent time with, that they're like, man, they, they have issues with one or multiple of these. And I've watched it harm their life because they don't believe properly in one of these seven areas or multiple areas in this and what we're talking about today. It does harm you if you don't have a proper belief system. And so, but, but here's the great thing. When you do properly hold these beliefs and have faith in these seven things, it changes everything about your Christian life, truly does. It changes everything about how God can function in you, how the word of God functions in you. And then as you're moving forward, how things literally open up for you based on these seven things. That's why they're so important. That's why I I called them crucial because they truly are. And so um, I want you to write them down, take notes. Make notes on the verses, and uh, and we'll and we'll talk about it as we go. But let me start with number one, which I really believe is is got to be uh, foundational for all seven of these. And uh, if you have your Bible, I want you to turn to First John, chapter three. First John chapter three, and I'm just gonna I'm gonna read you the first verse. But let me give you the belief, the the vital belief system first, and then we'll read the verse. The first crucial belief you've got to hold in your life is that I am God's child and he is my father. You've got to hold that. I am God's child and he is my father. Now, that sounds elementary, but there are people who literally, well, I've dealt with it this, this week and last week. There's people that talk about, you know, how, you know, though we're Christians, brother, we're still all sinners. We're still all sinners. And, and, and literally, they contradict what the Bible teaches regarding who you are as a new creation. And so the first thing that you have to, and beyond that, let me go beyond that. In the generation in which we're living, you've got so many people that have been emotionally damaged or uh, sometimes even physically damaged with abuse by broken homes, that it's brought a distrust for uh, fathers. The devil hates fathers. It's brought a distrust for fathers, and <clears throat> the devil wants to destroy the family. And I've said this for years now, that this is the mindset for the enemy. If you can't trust a father you can see, how will you trust a father you cannot see? And so when you have this mindset, I am God's child and he is my father. When you not only understand that, but understanding the nature of God as a father, it changes everything about your life, changes your prayer life, changes your expectation of life, all of these different things. It changes the way that you view tragedies even. Changes the way you view tragedies. Well, let's, let's quickly go through those three. Changes your prayer life. Well, what does that mean? 
Well, when I understand the nature of this relationship, I am God's child and he is my father. Well, that's going to change my prayer life because I'm no longer viewing this as, well, here he is, this God up in heaven that may be angry at me. He's ready to punish me. Uh, you know, he's, he's ready to destroy me the moment I get out of step or whatever. And now I have, uh, I'm timid about approaching him. Even though the Bible says that we must boldly approach the throne of grace, that we might find help, we, we boldly approach. You don't boldly approach if you're walking, you know, if you're intimidated or walking in, in fear of, of God, in not the good kind of fear, the bad kind of fear, not the awe and respect, but the actual, I'm afraid of him. So it changes your prayer life because it positions you to understand he's my father, I'm his child. And what kind of father is he? Well, Jesus described the type of father that Jesus is, right? Matthew chapter seven. He said, if you earthly fathers know how to give good gifts to your children, being evil, how much more does your heavenly father know how to give good gifts to those that ask him? So Jesus breaking down the kind of father God is. He's a loving, benevolent, generous heavenly father who loves to give good gifts to his children. Hey, Dr. Prepper. And so until we understand and hold this crucial belief, he's my father and I'm his child. I look at it now <clears throat> as a father myself. And I think to myself, how much I love my children so much, love them so much. You know, I was thinking yesterday, <clears throat> and obviously me being an imperfect man, I'm not God by any means. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a human being, as the, as the verse says. Uh, I go out and, and, you know, Maddie is, is so sweet. She's, you know, coming up on the, the teenage phase and she's kind of found her style. She's found her thing that she likes. And so I told her, I said, when we get home from these trips, Daddy's going to take you to the mall and we're going to do like a, like a mini shopping spree. We're going to go out, take you for the day. We'll go see a movie. You can, I'll take you to all the stores you like. I'll let you pick out clothes and shoes and whatever you like. And daddy's going to bless you. She's such a good girl. She helps me so much. She's on the road constantly and I want to go and I'm going to bless her. And so yesterday me and Maddie went out and down to Miami <clears throat> and we got to hang out all day together got to go to the movies, got to go to all her favorite stores, got macaroons, got, you know, all the stuff that she likes to do. And you think about that. I, I got so much joy blessing my sweet daughter, how much I love her, how much that I'm proud of her and how much I enjoyed literally uh, going to all those stores and seeing her pick out all the things she likes looking through, you know, and she's, she's only 12. And thinking to myself, man, I love blessing my daughter. I love blessing my other daughter, Brooklyn. I love blessing my son, Teddy. And his birthday is right around the corner, just, just a couple weeks. And, um, and I, I love blessing him. And I think about that and reflecting, I am just an earthly father. I'm just a man. I'm not God. I'm not even close to, to the level of what he is in his eternal, um, uh, you know, his eternal perfection and his goodness, I'm not even close. But when I think about how much I love to bless my children, then the magnitude of his greatness only increases in my mind. That if I'm that way, how much more is God that way? And Jesus said it, you earthly fathers love to give good gifts to your children. You bless them, even being evil, you bless your children. But how much more? Does your heavenly father, hallelujah, know how to give good gifts to those that ask him? He loves to bless his children. And so it changes your mindset, doesn't it? Changes your mindset in prayer. It changes your mindset, <clears throat> not just in prayer, in your purpose, changes your mindset throughout life. Even in this relationship, knowing that he's not out to get me, <laughs> like some pastors preach. He's not out to harm me. He's not out to destroy me. He's not up in heaven holding a lightning bolt ready to strike me whenever I'm in. No, he loves me. He wants to bless me. 
He wants to take care of me. You know, if, if, and you read what Jesus taught, you know, you look at the lilies in the field, you look at the birds of the air. None of the animals or the plants are wondering if they're going to make it. They know God clothes them. God blesses them. And how much more will he do that for us? Those that are obedient to him, his children. I'm his child. He's my father. Look at 1 John chapter 3, where I had you turn, and verse number 1. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Hallelujah. See what kind of love the Father's given to us made us his children. He's a loving God. And that needs to be a foundational belief in your life. I'm not just his servant. <clears throat> I'm not just a slave of God, like Paul said. I'm not just part <clears throat> of the family. I am part of the body. That, that means, watch this now, that means as much as Jesus is the son of God, you and I are sons of God. Glory to God. Sons of God. That's what the Bible says. That's who the inheritance goes to, the sons of God. doesn't matter if you're a woman or a man. The Bible says, as many as believed on Jesus' name, to them he gave power to become the sons of God. So you are a child of God and he is your father. What a powerful belief system to found everything on. Everything's founded on that thought. He loves me. He's my father. I'm his child. I receive the inheritance. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's number one. Number two, this will alter your life. This will upgrade your future. Get this in your spirit. Number two, the Holy Spirit leads me in all my decisions. Put that in the chat. Put it in your notes. The Holy Spirit leads me in all of my decisions. I can't even imagine living a Christian life outside of the reality of being led by God's Spirit. I can't even fathom it. Trying to live a life where the Holy Spirit does not lead me. Morning, Ted. Morning, Heather. That's number two. The Holy Spirit leads me in all my decisions. There's so many Christians that that's not the case. They don't even seek the leading of the Holy Spirit. They don't even seek it. They don't even pray for it. They say, well, what's the best decision I could make? Ask the Lord. Ask the Lord. It's mind-blowing to me. I mean, I'll have more. I, I I'm not going to share all of it yet, but man, we got some amazing, amazing things yesterday regarding news for our, our family just thinking about how perfectly God led us in every moment. I've told you many times the story of God speaking to me and to Carolyn to come here to Florida. Every step of the way he's led us, every step of the way, to where we rented a home when we first moved here, to the home he provided right after the rental, to this property that we're sitting in now and broadcasting to you. Every step of the way has been led by the Holy Spirit. And you know what's so great about that is that he's the one who knows the end from the beginning. He has all knowledge. He, he can lead and guide you into all truth. He is your guide. He's your helper. He's your helper. And so he can literally lead and guide you. Uh, Jess and Jared that, are, that may be watching, I know Jess is, you're being led by the Holy Ghost. You're being led by the Holy Ghost. People that are watching, I've heard from you. You're being led by the Holy Ghost. And it's going to make a massive difference in your life. More than you even know now. Hear me when I say this. More than you even know right now. I didn't know the, the extent to which it was going to matter when I was following the voice of the Holy Spirit. And your flesh doesn't know. Your flesh doesn't know. You know, like when I, when I got that word, and I've told you the testimony many times, when I, uh, when I got that word from the Holy Ghost driving to Rochester, New York from Pittsburgh, that I was to move to uh, 
Florida, first thing your mind goes to is the flesh. All the things like, are you serious? And then all the obstacles, right? How many, put a hand up in the comments. That's the first thing that's happened to you before. When the Lord gives you a leading, your mind automatically goes to all the stuff like, oh, are you serious? But what about this, this, this? You start to think about the obstacles. You start to think about what's hard in the natural. You start to think about all those things. When in reality, God is leading you to like something that's going to blow up so big in blessing that your mind could have never fathomed it, even if you knew ahead of time. You couldn't have. You couldn't have. Love you, Faith. You couldn't have. But see, the Holy Spirit knows. That's why he's leading you. That's why he's guiding you. He is the guide. He is the comforter. He is the helper. And, and I'm telling you, that's, that's what's going on. And when we make a decision, yeah, exactly. And using the, the emoji, the flesh goes wide eye, blush cheeks emoji. It's true. That's what happened to me. I, you know, I don't mind telling you. And I'm, I'm a minister of the gospel. I'm a man of God. And I'm training my spirit. But when you get hit with an instruction, your flesh is like, hold on a second. You're pumping the brakes. Hold on a second. But you don't try to figure it out. You just obey the voice of the Holy Spirit. His sheep know his voice. And so when we make, the, make up the, our minds, the Holy Spirit leads me in all my decisions. So why would I not consult him on all decisions? Why would I not consult the Holy Spirit on all decisions? And that's why I saw Denise write in the, in the comments. She said, I don't know where my marriage would be at, my children, my family, my life, if we weren't led by the Spirit of God. And that's exactly right. And uh, Glenn and Denise, excellent examples of marriage and parents. Uh, they've raised wonderful children, Holy Ghost home, led by the Spirit, love the Word of God. Uh, and Carolyn and I love them. And they're exactly right. Where would we be without the leading of the Holy Spirit? Where would we be without God speaking to us? And see, that's why we have the Holy Spirit. He's our guide. He's our comforter. He's our helper. You know. And so we have to make this up in our minds. The Holy Spirit leads me in all my decisions. I'm not just going to make life decisions outside of prayer, outside of being led by the Spirit. I know Heather. She said, I don't even want to think about where we'd be. That's right. Because God's worked miracles in your life. And he's done it by his leading, by his guidance, by his Holy Spirit. And we thank God for it. We thank God, Heather. And so Romans chapter 8 and verse 14, the Bible says, As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Romans 8, 14 is our scripture for, for number two. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. God expects us to be led by His Spirit. How sad it would be, you know, if we just decided, you know, we are connected to the divine being. We are connected to Jehovah, the Most High God. We have the Holy Spirit living within us, but we're not going to bother to ask Him. We're not going to bother to ask Him, you know, what we should do in this situation. We're not going to bother to ask Him uh, if He has any plans that He'd like us to be a part of. We're not going to bother. And that actually upsets God. I wanted to read you um, a verse of Scripture from uh, the book of Zephaniah in the New Living Translation. This is how much it angered God about Israel uh, and Judah in the Old Testament. Um, listen to what the Lord says in Zephaniah chapter 1 and verse 6, and I'm reading this from the New Living Translation. God said, and I will destroy those who used to worship me, but now no longer do. They no longer ask for the Lord's guidance. Get that. Or seek my blessings. So what are the three things in this passage God's angry about with Judah? Number one, they don't worship me anymore. Number two, they don't ask for my guidance anymore. And number three, they don't seek my blessings anymore. And that goes back to the first point. I'm his child, he's my father. It makes him happy when we seek his blessings and he gets to bless us. 
It makes him angry when we don't seek his blessings. But notice the other part, when we don't seek his guidance, ask for his guidance. That angered him about Judah. They were no longer seeking his guidance. They weren't inquiring of the Lord anymore. Just doing their own thing. Just doing their own thing. But God said, I want my people to seek my guidance. I want my people to seek my blessing. I want my people to worship me. And so that angered God. See, because the whole design is, if you're my children, you'll seek my counsel. You'll seek my guiding, my guidance, my leading. That's the whole, that's the whole system right there. If you're my children, you'll seek my guidance. And so, number two, we declare it. The Holy Spirit leads me in all of my decisions. All my decisions. Number three, put this in the chat, put it in your notes. The third crucial belief that will upgrade your life and future. I am more than a conqueror in every challenge. Here, and that last word's important because there's no point in, in being a conqueror if you're not being challenged. I am more than a conqueror in every challenge. And we're still in Romans chapter 8. Put it in the comments. I'm, that's number three. I am more than a conqueror in every challenge. <clears throat> Let's give some context to this because I know kind of people use it for whatever they want to use it for, but let's look at how Paul used it. Let's look at how Paul used it. Um, I'll start reading with verse 31 because this is where his kind of his thought process is changing. But, but listen to this, Romans 8, 31, and I'm going to read it uh, down through verse 37. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? You get that? Like that's the greatest thing he could have given, Jesus. So Paul's saying if he, if he gave Jesus, what things will he not give us? I mean, it only stands to reason. If I'm willing to give you $100, wouldn't I be willing to give you $5? Right? So if I've already given you the greatest thing, then what's the point? The other stuff, we're not going to argue about the smaller things. He's already given us Jesus. How much will he not graciously give us all things? Verse 33, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? This, we're starting here in Romans 8, Benita, verse 31, and I'm reading down through verse 37. Now verse 33, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Verse 34, who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died and more than that was raised. Who's at the right hand of God and who is indeed interceding for us. Verse 35. Now, here's where we get this now. Watch now because here's the, here's the context. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation separate us? Distress? Persecution? Famine? Nakedness, danger, a sword, as it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Verse 37, now here it is. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. All what things? Tribulation, distress persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, the sword, right? In all those things that he just listed, we are more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors. Every challenge that faces the believer, I'm more than a conqueror to overcome. In every challenge that faces my life, I'm more than a conqueror to overcome. More than a conqueror to overcome more than a conqueror to overcome. Why? For the victory's already been given to us by Christ Jesus. And I'll quote to you 1 Corinthians 15, 
57, as I often do, thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Because <clears throat> that's what people ask. How can you be more than a conqueror? Like that. Because you didn't have to fight for the victory. It was given to you. <clears throat> that's how you're more than a conqueror. You'd be the conqueror if you did the fighting to get the victory. That makes you the conqueror. But you didn't do the fighting to get the victory. Jesus did the fighting to get the victory. You didn't have to be crucified. You didn't have to be whipped or bruised or beaten beyond recognition. You didn't have to wear a crown of thorns or have your side pierced or your back whipped. But Jesus did do those things and he's the one who died. He's the one that was buried. He's the one that took back the keys of death, hell, and the grave. He led captivity captive. He was resurrected. He ascended into heaven. He did the work. But now since he's done all of that, he then just gives you the victory. Hallelujah. He won it, but now he gives it to you. Thank you, Jesus. He won it, and now he gives it to you. Thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Even death couldn't hold him down. And so you're more than a conqueror in every challenge to your Christian life. So Here's what I want you to get. Don't start getting to this place where you think, well, you know, I'm going through this because God's taken me through it. God's taken me through it to, to teach me something. The reason I'm dealing with this is because God brought it into my life to teach. No, 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 no. You are more than a conqueror to always have victory over these challenges that have been sent against you as a believer. You are more than a conqueror. You have the victory. The Lord, again, we go back to number one. That's why it was the foundational belief. He's your loving heavenly father. God doesn't teach you through child abuse. And I want you to put that in the comments. God doesn't teach me through child abuse. God doesn't teach me through child abuse. I mean, the things that, that people believe about God, can you imagine, can you imagine if we put that same context around an earthly father or mother, how insane we would think that that is. For example, you know, my, my child is five, but I don't want him to ever have a temptation to touch that hot stove. So I'm going to turn it up to its highest, the, the range, the, the, the stovetop. I'm going to turn it up to the highest temperature that it goes, the power boil setting. I'm going to let that burner on the top get as hot as it can get. And then I'm going to walk my, my son over, little Teddy, and I want to take his hand in my hand and put it down and hold it on that burner and burn his hand. Because I'm teaching him, I'm teaching him that the stove is hot. I'm going to take it away and there's third degree burns and the skin's melted off, immediately bubbling up. I'm teaching him, I'm his father, I'm teaching him that the stove is hot. I'm teaching him that. And people are like, that's insane. You're a sick and insane person to do that to a child. Well, but people say the same thing about God. God did this to me. He's teaching me something through it. Can you imagine if I always, you know, because one of the arguments is, well, God is just teaching you how to depend more fully upon him. Oh, really? So I'm going to be the father now that acts like my, my God in heaven. And I want my children to depend more fully upon me. So I'm going to get a syringe that's filled with some kind of a, 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 a virus or some kind of a disease. And I want to inject that into all three of my children and give them all three that disease so that they never will leave my house. 
so that they'll be incapacitated on their own and they will have to depend more fully on me, their father, so that they can see my great love for them, that I uh, will take care of them in every situation. How insane would that, I mean, they, people that aren't even Christians would put me in jail for infecting my children with a disease so that they'd never leave my home, so that they'd always depend on me for their meals, to clothe them, to bathe them. That's insane. And this is what reprobate preachers preach about the almighty God. That he does these things. That, oh, Brother, we don't know why, but we will one day, brother, we'll know why he does these things. Because they don't know him. They don't know him. And they've created some theological God that is working evil as well as good, but calling it all good because he's God. You've, they've created a God that is in partnership with the devil. And it's wicked. It is wicked. And so we start to realize God's not doing these things. And when these things come at us, he has made us more than a conqueror. He's given us the victory. He filled us with the power of the Holy Ghost to combat the attacks of the devil. That's why it's so important to know where attacks come from. Where do they come from? The devil. Job blamed God through the whole book of Job for all of his issues and his problems. And then it was unveiled. Oh, it's really the devil that's been attacking you. And at the end, Job had to say, I was speaking about things that I had no idea about. Yeah, because you had the truth revealed to you. God's not doing these things to you. The devil is. And as long as the devil can deceive people into thinking, well, God's making this happen. So you should just deal with it and live with it. That's why people, one of the reasons people live with it and accept it. Because they believe God is doing it. So you need to make up your mind. Number three, I am more than a conqueror. In every challenge. That's number three. Number four. <clears throat> Here's one that will like literally help you immensely. God is the author of promotion in every area. You need to write that in your notes. You need to put that in the comments. God is the author of promotion in every single area. And we're looking at Psalm 75. Psalm 75, verses 6 and 7. For not from the east or from the west, and not from the wilderness or the south, comes lifting up promotion. But it is God who executes judgment, putting down one and lifting up another. So God executes judgment. He is the righteous judge. He puts one down. He elevates another. Not randomly either. He doesn't arbitrarily lift one up and put another down. God is the author of promotion in every single area of life. But it's not arbitrary. It's based on our obedience and response to his written word. No question. And so uh, when we realize that, now here's where this becomes such a big deal. When we realize that, then we understand we're living our lives only to please one person, and that is God. We're living our lives to only please one person, and that is God. Hallelujah. And when you recognize that, you stop caring what other people think. You stop caring if people are offended by the way that you live your life, if you're living it for God. You stop caring about the persecution. You stop caring about the mockery. You stop caring about all those things. You stop caring about it. People might get mad at me. Who cares? Is God happy? Because if God's happy, who cares who's not? As I read before in Romans chapter 8, if God is for us, tell me who can be against us. It's rhetorical. The answer to the question is no one. It doesn't matter. Your boss could be against you. God will move them out of the way. They keep trying to not to keep you from being promoted. God will move them out of the way. Or God will give you another position that's even better. If God has decided to bless you, who can curse you? 
If God has decided to protect you, who can take you out? That's what the Bible says in Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. Unless the Lord is guarding the city, the watchmen walk the walls in vain. I don't care how many guards you put on the wall of your city. If God said the city's coming down, Jericho, it's coming down. It's coming down. There's nothing that's going to keep your city from coming down if God said it's coming down. But let me tell you on the flip side, if God said your city's not going to fall, I don't care, Sennacherib, if you surround my city with 185,000 soldiers and start sending threatening letters into the city. It doesn't matter. You'll wake up in the morning and every soldier will be dead because God sent one angel to kill them. So if God said the city's falling, it's falling. If God said the city's standing, it's standing. If God's for you, tell me who can be against you. Because promotion and judgment come from the Lord. So if God's raising you up, no one can tear you down. And if God's the one that's pulling you down in judgment, no one can lift you up. I don't care how much influence a person has. They cannot stop God's plan. Look at the two, Jericho and Judah. You can't stop God's mighty hand. Glory to God. You can't stop God's mighty hand. You cannot. Number five. The fifth crucial belief system you must have in place that'll upgrade your life. And I've, I've talked to people around the altar about this multiple times. Just write it in the comments. God always hears me when I pray. Put that in the comments. God always hears me when I pray. I've had people come up to me. Brother, I just, I feel like the heavens are brass. You know, that's like a, a Christian way of saying that like, you know, my prayers are being rejected. I believe, brother, that I feel like the heavens are brass. I believe I'm not getting through to God. I don't believe he's hearing me when I pray. I just, I don't know. I hear people tell me all the time. He, I just don't feel like God's hearing my prayers. He always hears you when you pray. Always. Let me read it to you from 1 Peter chapter 3. There's never a time when you're praying that God doesn't hear your prayers. Never. You ready for this? You ready to shout a little bit? For the eyes, this is 1 Peter 3.12. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. Hmm. And his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So if you're one of the righteous, guess what? His eyes are on you and his ears are open to your prayers. God hears you when you pray. God always hears you when you pray. I like that because... You know, we have been brought, I've been teaching on this. We've been brought into the body of Christ. We're not just part of the family, we're part of the body. But, but notice this, because now we're part of the body, just like God would hear Jesus, God would hear you. Because you're a part of Jesus' body. I want you to see what Jesus said when he was praying. So he went to um, raise Lazarus from the dead, John chapter 11. After he said, take away the stone, uh, and they did it, he lifted up his eyes and began to pray. John 11, and now listen to verse 41. And they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Verse 42, and, and I knew that you always hear me. But I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. See that? See that? 
Father, I thank you that you've heard me and that you always hear me. That's Christ praying. And now you're a part of his body. And what if, if God hears Christ, God hears you. And 1 Peter tells us that his eyes are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. Open to their prayers. Don't ever doubt it. And don't ever let the devil make you doubt it. That when you are praying, God is listening. God is listening. His face is turned towards you. His eyes are upon you. His ears are open to your prayers. Every time. Every single time time. Don't ever be, you know, cause I, I feel bad. I love you, Jeremiah. I feel bad because I'll have people that'll approach me and say, I just feel like God's not hearing my prayers. If you're one of the righteous, he is always hearing your prayer. Always. His eyes are on you. His ears are on you. He's got your prayers and he's an, a God that answers prayers. He answers prayers and he enjoys answering prayers. And the Bible says in the gospel of John, ask that you might receive that your joy may be full. So God, one of the ways he brings joy into your life is by answering your prayers. Hallelujah. It's by answering your prayers. And that's what God's doing. He's going to answer your prayer. He's going to answer mine. This is a year of answered prayers in Jesus name that we're going to see. We're calling it our year of divine possession. We're going to have what we've never had. We're going to do what we've never done. We're going to go where we've never gone in the mighty name of Jesus. It's our year of divine possession by the power of the Holy Ghost. And so number five, God always hears you when you pray. Glory. Number six needs to be a crucial belief system in your life all the time. You ready for it? As I meditate on his word. In fact, let me say it this way. As I meditate on and obey his word, he makes my way prosperous. As I meditate on and obey his word, he makes my way prosperous. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to say it again. As I meditate on and obey his word. He makes my way prosperous. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And of course, that's what was spoken to Joshua as he was taking over the leadership role from Moses of the people of Israel. Listen to Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. Hallelujah. You so, say, well, that's only for Joshua. That's only for, that, that was only for Joshua in his, uh, well, let me give you Acts chapter uh, 20. Paul talking to the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20. The Bible says, uh, as he's speaking to them, and now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. You've got an inheritance that comes through the mighty word of God. You've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And so the word of God is the element that brings you into the blessing of the Lord. The Lord spoke in Isaiah 48, 17. I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit and leads you in the way that you should go. And when he leads you in the way that you should go, <clears throat> what's the main way God leads his children? It's through the written word. For follow this. For follow this. And then, of course, we know that he leads us by his Holy Spirit, as we said earlier. He leads us by his Spirit in every area 
of life. And so if we're led by his word and by his spirit, we're obedient. Every passage in the Bible where we see people obeying the instructions of God, God increases them. God blesses them. God blesses them. Even when it looks insane. Even when it looks insane. It's like, why would you lead me to go and live in a land that's in the middle of a famine? Isaac could have asked that question. Don't go to Egypt like my father did. Even though Egypt's like the epicenter, it's, the, it's like the New York City of the day. Don't go live there. But go live in a place called Gerar where they're in the middle of a famine. Why would I do that? Because the Lord's telling you to. And when you're obedient, God will bless you where he told you to go. And he said, and he sowed in that land that year received a hundredfold. Why? Because God said, I'll be with you where I called you to go. I will be with you. I will bless you. That's what obedience does. That's what obedience does. And when we meditate on and obey his word and his spirit, it takes us into success. Takes us into increase. I always check if there's a place where I'm missing increase or I'm not seeing quick, not seeing the return that God said. I got to check. Am I, have I missed an instruction? Did I miss something? Have I not obeyed like I was supposed to obey? Am I missing instructions from God? Has he spoken to me and I've not moved? I've not done what he's told me to do. Have I met, have I missed it somewhere? See, and so that's number six. As I meditate on and obey his word, he will make my way prosperous. Let me just say for those that are watching, God is not opposed to you prospering. God wants you to prosper. God wants you to stand in a place of more than enough. Let me say this. If he didn't, even in the, even in the New Testament church, why was it then when there were Christians who didn't have enough in Jerusalem that Paul went to Corinth and started encouraging them to sow large offerings so that he could take it to the, the, the Christians that were in Jerusalem. What's the point? If God's will is for some to go without, if God's will is for some to not have enough, then why are we working towards making sure that everybody is fully supplied with more than enough? What's the purpose of that, Apostle Paul? As you see the church established, no, they had no needs, no needs. Completely without need. Christ's ministry was without need. He even had a treasurer that was routinely stealing from the money bag. Constant embezzlement and Christ's ministry was without need. They had no needs. You don't read anywhere in their, in their ministry where they were going through, you know, we were, we were getting ready to do some more stuff, but uh, the money's run out, and so we're just going to have to believe God for No. Had no needs. None. In fact, the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 3, that there were a group of wealthy women that traveled with the disciples and gave from their wealth or their abundance to the ministry of Jesus. So it wasn't just Jesus and the disciples traveling around. There was a group of them traveling around. And God attached to them wealthy people that supplied, and there were no needs. The needs were all met. They had more than enough. If they didn't have more than enough, they wouldn't have needed a money bag because that's where you put your extra. If you're always spending everything you have as soon as you get it to meet your needs, then you don't have extra. They had more than enough. That's the point of the money bag. That's the point of a treasurer. That's the point of the fact that he could steal and nobody knew about it. <laughs> nobody, nobody addressed it. Why? Because there was more than enough to pay all their bills, meet all their needs, and for him to steal. You see that? God wants you to stand in more than enough. And when you're obedient, you walk in more than enough. No question about it. And then finally, number seven, seventh crucial belief you've got to have in your spirit at all times. You've never hit the cap. Get this. Nothing is impossible because I believe. Nothing is impossible because I believe God. Nothing. Nothing is impossible because I believe. Hmm. Those are, those are the words of Jesus, and it's pretty hard to get around them. Talking about this boy that's been suffering with a demon spirit, throws him into the fire, throws him into the water. It's Mark chapter 9. 
And the father of the boy that brought him to Jesus said, have compassion on us and help us, verse 22. He said, if you can do anything, if you can do anything, if you can do anything. Jesus said, what do you mean if I can? If I can. All things are possible for one who believes. All things are possible. So I don't know about that, brother. All things are possible. Doesn't matter. God can do all things. He'll do exceeding and abundantly and above all that you can ask or think according to the power that works in you. Recently just had a lady come up to me and give me a testimony with MRIs and x-rays. Metal plate in her arm. Showed me the new metal plate totally gone. No surgery. God did it. That just happened a few months ago at the altar. Look at this. God removed the metal plate from my arm without surgery. And I have x-rays to show it. X-rays to prove it. Doctors can't figure it out. Where'd it go? It's gone. I've seen eyes come open that were blind. I've seen ears come open that were deaf. I've seen crippled people walk. I've watched tumors disappear. All things are possible. All things. There's nothing impossible because I believe. Enil said, I, I once saw a limb grow, an arm. Yes, I've seen legs grow out. I've seen, I've seen these things. I've watched them happen. Nothing is impossible because I believe. Nothing is impossible. God can do anything. He is almighty. There's nobody like him. There's nobody beside him. Not only is there nobody above him, there's nobody beside him. That means nobody's on his level. He's the most high God. There's no one like him. All things are possible because I believe. That's what, that's what Jesus is teaching. If, if you can, all things are possible for the one who believes. So if you trust in God, trust in his word, trust in his spirit, there's nothing God cannot do. So I don't know, my situation's pretty dire. Don't ever feel like you've capped out. Don't ever feel like this is, I've already seen the most God can do. I don't know. He couldn't do any more than that. I, I don't know if he could do this. This is really hard. This is really big. There's nothing God cannot do. Nothing. Nothing. Hallelujah. He's a wonder working God. He works wonders. This is going to be a year of wonders for us. Divine possession. Wonders. Things that people look at and like, ah. I wonder how that happened. Yeah, you're wondering because it's a wonder. God just did something that makes people wonder. <laughs> That's what we're expecting. That's what we're believing. And it's already begun. We've already seen things happen. And I'm telling you, if you'll just keep these seven things in your spirit, keep these seven things in your spirit, it keeps you from, from the way these other Christians flow and go, where it's like they start doubting God they start changing their doctrine to accommodate their situations. They start wondering if God's ever hearing them. They don't even pray because they wonder, I don't know if I'm in position to pray, God's mad at me. All these different things go out the window when you hold proper beliefs. Amen. That's right, Heather. Great things for your family. You hold proper beliefs, it produces proper fruit in your life. You believe wrongly, it produces wrong fruit in your life. And so I want to encourage you today. I'm getting ready to pray. I'm going to get ready to pray for you because God helps you by his spirit. He has given you the spirit of faith. He has given you the faith that you get. It comes from God. It's like today. It's like today. Thank you for those detailed notes who put that in seriously detailed notes Stephen seriously detailed notes thank you um, God's the one who gives you the faith God's the one that causes you to believe as you hear his word takes you to another level I want you to have the biggest expectation that you've ever had in your entire life in fact, take a moment for just a second. Close your eyes. Whatever it is that you've been expecting God to do, believing for God to do, increase that to a greater level. 
because he's a God that is not limited by anything in the natural realm. He's an unlimited God. He's a supernatural, almighty, wonder-working God. So whatever it is that you've been expecting, expect bigger. Trust him. Nothing's impossible. All things are possible to the one who believes. Father, I thank you for your precious people. I thank you, Lord, that you are calling every one of us to go higher. Now expand our faith, Lord. Increase our faith as we continue to hear your word, read your word, study your word. Increase our faith. I thank you that this is our year to not just go to another level, to skip levels in Jesus' name. Lord, by the time we come to the end of 2022, let this be a year <laughs> that will blow our minds. We look back and say, only God could have done what happened. Only God could have done that. Let it be a year that blows our minds in Jesus' name. We thank you for it. I pray for those that are believing for possessions, those that are believing for homes. We've had people write in, I'm believing for a home. I'm believing this is my year to go from renting to owning. People that are believing for their own businesses. People that are believing to step out in ministry. People are believing to go to the next level. Father, let this be the year we skip levels in Jesus' name. That it won't make any sense to the natural mind. Even those that see what, what you're doing in our lives, they'll stop and ask, how in the world did that even happen? How's that even possible? You're going to do it in such a way. It blows our natural minds. And we thank you for that. We give you glory for that. In Jesus' wonderful name, we give you honor, we give you glory, we give you praise. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Hallelujah. Listen, I'll tell you what I'm doing in the month of April. For those of you that are standing with us, and we'll sow $1,000 in the month of April, there's three things we want to send to you. And the first one is Dr. Cho's famous book, The Holy Spirit, My Senior Partner. Um, Philip Keller's powerful book, A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23, very revelatory. And then uh, the Net Study Bible with 60,000 translators' notes. For those of you that will stand with us and help us in the month of April to do what God's called us to do, we're not just feeding the hungry, we're not just preaching live crusades, but we're preaching around the world. And those of you that God will use you to sow $1,000 or more, we're going to send you all three of those things. Maybe you're uh, at a different level. Maybe you're going to sow uh, $85 this month or $100 this month or whatever it might be. Maybe $5,000, $10,000. Whatever the Lord speaks to you to do, take a step of faith and partner with this ministry. Go to MiracleWord.com and uh, you can click the link there and look, see everything we're doing. If you click Partner, you can see all that we're doing. And then sign up and stand with us and believe God that this is your year to increase and go to another level. You'll not have another year like the previous year and the year before that. We're not repeating 2020. We're not repeating 2021. We're going to another level by the power of the Holy Ghost in Jesus' mighty name. And I want to say thank you to everybody that's partnering with this ministry and those that are standing with us. We love you very, very much. Next week, starting on Tuesday, is West Virginia Camp Meeting. I am so excited. Pastor Merrick Hufton from Atlanta, Pastor Tony Suarez will be preaching, myself, my father, Dr. Rodney Howard Brown, uh, Bishop Rick Thomas, our pastor. We're going to be there. It's going to be powerful. It's called Breakthroughs and Turnarounds. It starts Tuesday, April 26th at 7 p.m., and then Wednesday through Friday, 10.30 in the morning, 7 at night. If there's any way for you to get there, get there. All the details are at MiracleWord.com. Click the schedule page and uh, get the directions, get the times, everything you need. But be there with us. It's going to be amazing. And then, of course, as I said at the beginning, there's a brand new Last Gen Podcast episode available today. Um, if you go to the Last Gen Podcast on all major platforms, check them out on Instagram. Dealing with relationships, six uh, qualities you're looking for in a, in a spouse. Now, that's if you don't have one. Obviously, we're talking to single people. Um, the other thing I wanted to say one more time before I go is for those of you that are a part of Bible Study Made Simple, two things I would really love for you to do if you haven't done it yet. Number one, please join the private Facebook group so that we can stay connected with you. Uh, and you can, it's in the email we sent you. It's also a link to it in the very first video of the course. The second thing I'd like you to do is to sign up to be a part of the text family so that uh, I can stay in touch with you via text message as we're going through these Bible studies together. 
and uh, all new content dropped yesterday. And so it's been the best. I'm, I'm so excited about it. We love you guys a lot. Thanks for hanging with me today. And um, oh, did anybody else see how excited I am about this? The mask mandates for travel have been dropped. I don't hear anybody. I feel that, I, I think that means we need to end with a, a song. We need to end with something something powerful. Whatever we got in there, power. I'm a Pentecost, I don't care. I'm gonna, I'm, we're leaving shouting because the mask mandates have been dropped. I can go to an airport with a free face, fly on a plane with a free face, and I'm headed to camp meeting with a free face. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank God, it's about time that the charade was up. No scientific evidence that it helped at all. And it's done. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the judge that they're saying is completely unqualified to be in her position. It was a Florida, Florida judge. Thank you, Jesus. Florida wins again. I love you guys. Have a great, wonderful day. Talk to you again very soon. Later. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.